0: Welcome to Hope in the Halls, Christian Voices from Washington, D.C., sponsored by Hope to the Hill, also sponsored by Can We Pray, with your hosts Nathan and Amber Kistler. Learn more about Hope to the Hill at www.hopetothehill.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're back down to one episode a week right now.
0: <laughs> well, I would say a lot has happened in our country, and... Well,
1: and- in our lives. In our lives. And so we've had a lot going on. And, um, you know, obviously you have, you have, you've had doctor's appointments and things as well that we've been going to. Yeah. So just trying to get everything back, uh, you know, hopefully normal soon. But uh, today we want to talk about something uh, with a very heavy heart. Obviously, everybody in the world knows what's going on right now. Yeah. In Israel and um. We had a lot of friends. Obviously, Dr. Roller and his wife were supposed to be leaving in a few days.
0: Yeah, and the Museum of the Bible and yeah. um Kirk Cameron were all gonna be on that trip and yeah. about uh now it would have been four days. Yeah. But um obviously that is not gonna happen. No. Because of everything that is going on. Our
1: pastor was supposed to leave today I know. with a group from our church.
0: I know. And I just believe it's the Lord protecting them, you know, from from all of that right now from going over there. Um You know, unfortunately, there were people that were over there visiting who are stuck right now. I just heard a report um, this morning from some friends of ours who have people who went on a trip over there and they can't get back because there's no flights. And so they're trying to I think the U.S. is trying to figure out a way to get those people home who are just tourists who had gone to visit um, Jerusalem and Bethlehem and places like that. And so they're trying to get them back to the U.S. now. Um, There are Mm. some of them who have gotten home. Uh, like the ones, I think, like the day the war started, those people got on a plane quickly and came home. It's the ones that were there after that had that were flying in. Yeah, and, we, uh, to we Tel had Aviv.
1: Some uh, groups that I knew of that had landed the morning of. The, Can
0: you imagine?
1: Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, yes and no, because it's interesting. Uh, I guess, with you know, over the years, I've been. I don't know, between nine and 11 times, quite a few times. And there have been skirmishes on the, you know, in the West Bank over the, the years. But it's
0: never been quite like this. No,
1: but the point I'm trying to make is you would normally, when there was a skirmish or rockets that had been fired in, you know, from Gaza, you would never even know in Jerusalem or yeah. even in Tel Aviv. You would never hear anything while you were there about it unless you watched the American media or, you know, foreign media. That they're so used to that type of thing in Israel, that it's just kind of is what it is. The Iron Dome typically catches them. So, uh, agreed. This is a very different instance. Uh, but th- this that time we're seeing.
0: they they over what overwhelmed. You, they overwhelmed the Iron Dome, which is kind of what caused it. They they were firing rockets from many different places, <laughs> and it overwhelmed the Iron Dome, which means that there had to be a lot of rockets to overwhelm. The Iron Dome.
1: Yeah, over 5,000 in one day. So, you know, stepping back a little bit, and I remember this, my first year in uh, working in D.C. in 2008 was the beginning of Obama's presidency. And I remember back then there was a lot of conversation in 2008, 2009, and 2010. Um, There was a lot of conversation about Israel at that point, and a lot of pressure was put on Israel to give the West Bank back to the Palestinians. Mm. And interestingly enough, I th- we're seeing the consequences of that now because Israel, there were two pieces of land at that point that they wanted Israel to give back to different places or to give to different uh, countries. One was the West Bank. The other was the Golan Heights, which is on the very top of Israel uh, just below Syria, there's this kind of no man's land that the U.N. actually has a peacekeeping force. You can drive up there. They used to call it the uh, tank tanks road uh, during the six day war. The, there's an amazing story. And I, I think I've told you this story before. But it's uh, there's a man named Eli Khan that was a very wealthy businessman that actually worked for the Israelis uh, in, in their, you know, kind of uh, CIA, you know, uh, in their whole world and he was set up in syria in damascus and he had been very much involved in business there so much so that they trusted him he was undercover and when they were when israel was planning to go in years in advance a long time he encouraged the syrians to plant a specific type of tree in this area in up in the golan heights and it was the exact that was actually how the Israelis, the, the, their fighters, pilots, were able to know where to bomb during the Six-Day War. It's actually what helped them win the Six-Day War. Eliakon was hung publicly in Damascus after the Six-Day War. They knew that. He died to help Israel, uh, his his people, uh, get back the, the Holy Land, essentially. And uh, from that point on to today there has been pressure for the Israelis to give up uh, that area. And they never, that was the one part they refused because it would give the Syrians or whoever the upper hand, the, the, the mountaintops to try to fire rockets into Jerusalem or, you know, wherever. So they did give the West Bank or pieces of it. Uh, they back or gave it to the Palestinians, which I think now looking back for most people, they would say that that was a mistake. Uh, a very, very bad deal for the Israelis. Um, but the Golan Heights have stayed in their control. The question that everybody's asking at this point is how do you miss such a huge security breach? I mean, the Israelis have, they're the best in the world, really. I mean, next to the American security apparatus, they are unbelievable at their job. How did they miss this? And, uh, time will tell, but, uh, God help these poor people that lived on, on the edge of the Israeli border there. I mean, today, babies that they found.
0: Yeah. There's over 40 of them so far that they found that were...
1: Some of them were decapitated.
0: I mean, it's just... It's, you can't even wrap your mind around that. That's horrendous. Um, I just... You almost feel like you cannot have a soul if you are able to do that. Yeah. Um. These are not people that can be, in my opinion, you, you can't negotiate with someone who can do that. And that's what a lot of, there are some members who are calling for negotiations for peace, but you cannot negotiate with people who are terrorists. Um, people who can behead a child, a baby, an infant. That is yeah. pure evil. Evil yeah That is evil. And I'm sorry we don't negotiate with the devil. You know, we had I don't negotiate with Satan and that is that is his work and that cannot be negotiated with. And um I just think it's really sad. It's really, really sad. And and even more on our country side, we're without a speaker right now. We were talking about how important that is. Yeah. If something were to happen in our country, we are without a speaker of the house. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it is not good right now. I mean, just to put it into perspective and call it what it is, it's not good. And I know that today they're going to start talking about who that might be. That um, debate
1: is happening as we and speak. And that's
0: that's going to be very interesting to find out uh, because I know we talked about, you know, just who who we thought it could be. And then now there's kind of been a, maybe a curveball thrown from a speech that was made the other night that maybe it could be someone else again. Um, Maybe.
1: I, You know, and I, I think it, I, we said it just the other day, you know, if you listen to the last episode, that I think time will be very much more kind to Kevin McCarthy than people realize. Yeah. And as we look back, history will reflect, I think, differently than um, eight members of Congress would like it to be. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps, perhaps not. But... Uh, I can say either way, no matter who, who steps into the role, um, we need, we need someone with great leadership at this moment to help facilitate the Congress doing what the Congress needs to do. And that is to, to help our longstanding ally, our uh, oldest ally in that region, which is uh, the Israelis. And, you know, I, um... Amber, you know, we talked, we were supposed to originally be on this trip with, with Museum of the Bible.
0: Yeah, we were originally.
1: And uh, because of our IVF and all of that, that just didn't work out this year. No. But, um, obviously, it's not working out for anybody that was going to go on that trip.
0: But well, and it wasn't just that. We we have Gaither dates as well. That's that right. That we were a part of. Your whole
1: family was actually supposed to be on that trip mm-hmm. with us. But, um, I th- you know, I, I think it's important to recognize something to that a lot of people, you're going to have people on both sides of this issue that are pushing one or the other. And when, when, so, so hear me out when I say this, um, some of my closest friends in the middle East and in Israel are Arabs.
0: Yeah.
1: Arabs that some of them are Muslim. Some of them are non-practicing Muslim. Um, and they, I, I will say on both sides, some of the most kind um, I've met some of the most wonderful uh, Israeli people who are unbelievably kind and I've met Arab folks and Muslims that are unbelievably hospitable and kind that just want to live in peace there are people there, there are people in Gaza that want to live in peace that are now going to be uh, facing the repercussions of terrorists, mm. uh, Hamas and uh, and others that didn't ask for this, some of these folks that are just wanting to live their lives the best they can. And my heart breaks for all of them, for the Israelis who have lost family members, Americans that we have found out, at least 12 or 13 at this point. And also many um, Arab folks that are losing children, that are losing their own lives. Um, this war across the board is an ugly thing. And it breaks my heart for all of these people. Yet, I understand that Israel is going to have to do what they have to do at this point. Um, but uh, I don't uh, relish the fact that any anyone... On either side, you can be compassionate to both sides of the, the plights of both sides and understand what Israel is having to do right now. And so more than ever, we need to be praying for these folks. Um, Chaplain Black called me this morning, Senate Chaplain of the United States, and he was checking on you, actually. Uh, but I told him, I said, Chaplain, I'm praying for you today. I, Amber and I both are with the wisdom you're going to have to give to to senators on these issues. And his response was very interesting. He said, "Nathan, we need to pray for the the Jewish people and the Palestinians that are that have lost and are lo- going to lose their lives through this the longer it goes." Yeah. This is a very difficult situation. And he said, "We need to be praying and fasting over this that it ends quickly." Um because Lots of life will be lost. And he's right. He's very right. And so we need to be praying for the people that are making the decisions in our government today and over the next few days. And maybe even, you know, skip a meal or two and fast over this issue. This is horrific, the things that are coming out. And we probably haven't even heard the worst.
0: No, I don't think so. Do we know... Just to put it into perspective, even more, how far they have gotten into Israel, like where exactly they are. I mean, because I, I had friends asking, "Are they in Jerusalem? No. They haven't gotten to Jerusalem."
1: No. So, all as far as the ground incursion, I know
0: that they have they have started attacking the southern and the northern border. So
1: those are just rockets, though, as far right. as yeah. that are being have been fired and
0: not by land but by n- air. Correct. You know, with rockets.
1: So basically. If you look at Gaza, and if you're looking at the map of Israel, Gaza and the West Bank area is at the bottom left corner of the country. And so there's a sliver of Israel's border there, which they put settlers over the last 15 years. They've encouraged, and that's that's what's so sad, they've encouraged people to go and move there. They've tried to, to, you know, create friendship and all of that on that, that border, and so these uh, terrorists flew para, uh, para, uh, what do they call them? Pericopters or whatever. You know, we watched that guy on YouTube a lot that has a, uh, you know, it's, a, he has basically a backpack with a, a propeller on it and he, in a wing that they were flying and they had a guy sitting in the front with a machine gun and they flew over into that area. So they, at that point, I would say maybe not even t- 10 miles into Israel max, um,
0: and we say all this because it's so easy, and, and it is horrible what's going on there. But we don't want to over dramatize something, right. you know, because there's a lot of people that get on, you know, the news, the media, and and Facebook or wherever it might be. Anybody that feels like they are a news outlet these days, and, and honestly, there's so many of those people on Facebook sure. and social media. And it doesn't mean that this is not bad, and, and okay. we're not saying that at all. It is, it is bad but we want to just give straight up facts when we talk about it. We don't yeah. want to over dramatize it and say, you know, Oh, they're, they're now storming the grounds of Israel because I know that there's some people that have put that on media outlets that have kind of made it sound that way to the point where my friends were texting you and I and asking, are they in Israel or they in the Holy city? I mean, what happens to all of these things, these things in the Bible, will they destroy these temples and right. you know, the tomb? And, and I'm like, I don't th- I'm pretty sure they haven't gotten there and, and all that is safe. Um, yeah, and We've I, not heard that from anybody, and we have friends over there that live there. I well, have um,
1: members you know, that are part of foreign affairs that I've talked to over the last couple of days, Homeland Security, you know, guys that—one uh, specific member that uh, has trained—he's he, a medical doctor or a former medical doctor and was a special uh, medical doctor in the military in special forces that has trained doctors and, and field physicians in Israel for years— I talked to him, I heard from him early, like he texted me at 4.30 this morning. He's an early riser, uh, not like us. <laughs> but yeah. I just happened to be uh, awake for a minute um, and was responding back to him. And you have to understand, too, for people that haven't been to the Holy Land, we're talking about a 120 mile by 70 mile wide country. Yeah. Very, very small. So if, you know, to to compare it to America... Someone coming in five or 10 miles into their country is like someone coming from Mexico through the border of Texas and going to, I don't know, Oklahoma. Yeah. Potentially. Right. I mean, that would be the comparison of that.
0: Right. But which, I think the problem is, is that when things like this happen, the conspiracy theorists jump on it. Sure. And and they cause an uproar to make people believe that there's a little bit more to the story than there is. It's bad enough. Just tell the story. Right, and the story speaks for itself, and that—that's kind of how you and I have always lived our lives. Just tell the story like it is. There's no need to dramatize yeah, it or add to truth. it. Truth yeah. is the truth. Yeah, you don't need to scare people. They're already scared. Yeah. We're already scared in our own country, and it's not happening here. We don't—we don't need to add to that. And I think the problem is, is that when you pay attention to the news so much, or some of these other, you know, conspiracy theorists—I call them that because they are <laughs> outlets. That it can cause you to spin in this hole that you can't get out of. Yeah, nosedive down. It's yeah. You just going down to a rabbit hole and you can't find your way out. Yeah. And um, and there's certainly a lot of people that have done that and have called us about it and we're like, listen, either God's in control or he's not at the end of the day. It doesn't mean that it can't happen here, because it certainly can. Obviously, the border is a problem. We don't know who has come through our borders. Um but at the end of the day, we just have to trust that God has it all under control. And I know that before it gets really, really bad, we're gone. So <laughs> yeah. I I'm that's just the hope that I hold on to. And I just know that I have to put my faith and trust in God. Otherwise, I would probably want to sit in my room in a blanket in the dark and watch cartoons all day because I wouldn't want to live in reality if I if I live my life that way in fear of constant of just who's coming to get me. You know, do I need to have this weapon prepared for someone who's going to come to my front door? There's people in America that are not terrorists that could walk up to your front door at any minute and you could be fearful of it. Right. But you can't live your life in fear.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I think that's an interesting point that you've made because so often I would say we as conservatives, because we are definitely conservatives, definitely, um, have often... I grew up in a culture, and you did too, of conservatism, where everybody was looking for a boogeyman, always. And when one didn't work out, they find the next one, always looking to be afraid of the next thing. And I I love, I don't remember who who I heard this from, but I was a pastor at one point, and he said, Jesus says, do not fear 365 times, one for every day of the of the year. So... And the Bible also says, do not worry, but through all things through prayer and supplication, taking, you know, the things that we need to the Lord through
0: prayer. Now, granted, that is easy preaching and hard it is. living.
1: It is. But nonetheless, it is still true. It and, is. And and I say that to myself, I say that to you, because I have to hear that often. Uh I have to remind myself of that often but our calling as christians to live victoriously is to not live in fear and to recognize that as Chapman Black the last thing he said to me today on the phone was god always works things out for the benefit of his people and he said god is we all this is is god giving himself a way to shine
0: yeah and well you know we talked you talked about the way we were raised and just to give my testimony in short Where I I grew up in an independent Baptist church, just like you did. We both grew up as independent Baptists. We don't consider ourselves independent Baptists anymore, Sure, but um, we both grew up that way. And um, we're now Southern Baptists, I guess is what, I don't know, we're we're Christians. We're believers of the Bible. This this is is where it gets interesting. My
1: independent Baptist pastor used to say, and I love this, I still use it today. He said, I'm not... Anything other than a dependent Baptist, because I'm dependent on Jesus. Exactly, he said. So that's what I claim, and he was an independent Baptist right. uh, by by trade.
0: And, and I'm, so. we went to the churches like 1611. Don't go to heaven type, right? Yeah, I mean, right. that's that's exactly. where we grew up in. Um, but when I remember hearing the plan of salvation for the first time. It was from a youth pastor that I had and he played, there was this recording that went around when we were growing up and I'm sure it's older than, than me. Like so even since then, it was probably years you know, before. The, drill,
1: the whole yes. Yeah.
0: And we were sitting in, in our youth 80s. group because yeah. we always had our little youth group church service on Wednesday nights. And so like the adults would be in the sanctuary and then our youth group would be in our own little room on Wednesday nights. And he played this recording of them drilling a hole to the center of the earth and you could hear screams. And they claimed that they believed that that's where hell was, that it was at the center of the earth. And Mm -hmm. so I, who had been so like sheltered, watched Disney movies my whole life, everything was rainbows and butterflies. It scared me to my core to hear that. I had never heard anything like that in my life. I had never been told this, you know, these stories of how, Horrific it was. I had heard about hell. I, you know, I've been taught the Bible my whole life, and right. but to hear that taping, you know, that little recording when you're 13 years old, scared me to death. And at the end of it, he used that as a way to ask us if we wanted to give our heart to the Lord. And so I did. I came forward and I gave my my heart to God. But when I turned 16 years old, really 16, 17. Um, I was actually about to turn 17, like in the next few days, um, we had a new youth pastor, Jack Henry, um, who I absolutely love. He Mm. was just one of the, I'm telling you, I don't know that there's a better youth pastor in the world than Jack Henry. He was just, everybody that came to our church always said the same thing. You are so blessed to have Jack Henry because he truly loved on every kid and he still does. He's a kid's pastor still today. Um that he made an impact in my life, a huge impact. And Jack preached a sermon on a Wednesday night once again. And of course I'm a little bit older. I have learned more about the Bible at this point. And I'd kind of been just rolling through the motions, you know, with life. It was like I never want to say that I was, you know, my testimony's a little bit different. I think it's probably kind of like yours. We were never bad kids. You know, like we didn't do horrible things. So like when we got saved, it wasn't necessarily like a huge transformation. You know what I mean? Like it was we know that we were we were bad when we were born obviously we were created with a sinful nature but at the same time we weren't these some of these testimonies where it's like we have to completely turn because of all the stuff that you were doing wrong i just had a more of a knowledge of what i shouldn't be doing and that's kind of where my testimony was from 13 years old but when i was 16 almost 17 and jack came into my life and angie his wife they were some of the biggest mentors and I'll never forget, Jack preached a sermon on a Wednesday night about being a key. And at that time, we were worship leaders at our church. I was on stage every single time the doors were open for church. And of course, that's where you and I met when we were 13. But um, we were leading worship. And so I was in front of people all the time. And I'm sure that people assumed that if you're up there, you, you're probably you know saved. And when Jack preached this sermon about how the love of Jesus— And how much he loved us in spite of us. And, you know, how much he loved us to go die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. There was this different message that I had never been told in such a fashion. There was the aspect of love and not fear. And we were talking about fear, and that's what jogged it into my memory. And that night, I truly believe I got born again at 16 and 17. So I've always told people when I was 13... I was scared out of hell, but when I was 16, I was loved into heaven,
1: yeah.
0: and that's always been my testimony. And to know like where I tr- where that transformation truly happened, I-, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I did all the right things at 13 and said all the right things, but the transformation I believe really took place at 16. And so it it really taught me a lot about living in fear and what it can do to you and how it can scare people. And I'm worried that there were so many people like, like me at 13 who were scared out of hell, but I don't know that they really got the message. And if you don't really get the message, do you really have a transformation at that point?
1: Yeah, I, I you know, you and I have had this conversation so often. And for me, I mean, I I, I made a profession of faith when I was five years old. And I, I remember vividly. And you know me, I, I, I have a really good memory about things normally. Ugh, like an elephant, i um, never forget. But I I remember my mom, always at Children's Church, you know, my dad was preaching, and um, anyway, sorry here, and uh, she was doing a flannel graph board thing, and it was amazing. I'll never forget, she put, you know, had the, the Jesus with two uh, thieves on either side of him, and I remember that, that was the night, I went to my parents' room. We were living in that camper back then. Yeah. And um, told them that, you know, I, I wanted to, to get saved. I remember the transformation even at that time uh, in my life. But, you know, as as a lot of kids, you know, when you get in your teenage years, uh, you can get involved in the wrong things, the wrong people. Um, but well, I, we both
0: I, did. We yeah. both went through that time in our sure. lives.
1: I rededicated, you know, my life to the Lord. I was, I was eighteen, uh, maybe 18, 19 years old. But I, I'll never forget uh, my mentor, Jamie Parsons. I was in um, Greece and Italy with him. We were on a cruise, and he uh, made a beautiful point about the Apostle Paul, and I'll never forget uh, just the the beauty in which, you know, the love of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul talks about. About that I think it's a, a beautiful thing that you shared you know your testimony on here today but uh what what a what an opportunity we have as Christians at this point to share Jesus and share the love of Christ because while you know we believe I believe the Bible is very clear hell is a very real place and there's no doubt um, what an opportunity that what Jesus did on the cross uh to save the entire world out of love. Yeah. What a, what a beautiful thing. And so, um, I
0: always love Jack used to say, if your family and friends were about to run into a burning building and they didn't know it, what would you do? Yep. Yeah. And we were all like, we would chase after them. We would scream at them, you know, whatever we had to do to get them not to go. And he goes, then why are you not doing that when it comes to their eternity? Because it's the same thing. Right, And that is really eye-opening when you think about it. But we get so busy, I think, in our daily lives that we kind of tuck that away because we think it's so far away. And then someone, that's why a funeral is so important, right? Because life is but a vapor. It goes so fast. And a funeral is meant to remind us of how quickly life can be taken away. Just last night, there was a horrible wreck in Rootville, which is right next to our house. And you're talking about teenagers who died and were burning inside of a car yeah, because they couldn't get out. Yeah. And my heart aches for those families because I don't I don't know what their lives were. I don't know if someone reached them. I don't know if if they were a part of a church, maybe they weren't. I hope and pray to God that they were because they're gone. Yeah. And I don't know where they're spending eternity, but stuff like that shows you death is no respecter of persons nor age. Yeah. And even though it seems like we have a lot of time, we don't. And I think this whole thing with Israel brings that to the forefront of everyone's mind who is a believer, because we know the Bible, we know what the end times say, and it shows you that it is it is closer than it's ever been and time is running out and either we're going to do our jobs or we're going to be held accountable for it when we get to heaven, if we don't. Yeah. And that has been my priority with what we do on the Hill mm-hmm. mainly. And I think looking back on my testimony, and talking about scaring me out of hell. And, and I'm not knocking the Independent Baptist at all when I say that. Not at all. There are so I'm still so much a part of the Independent Baptist Church in so many different ways. We love a lot of those people. We just don't go to that church anymore. We go to a Southern Baptist Church because that's where it is next to our house, and we love our pastor. Um, but there is a lot of that movement that used, and not just the Independent Baptist, but a lot of it back in the day that was used that used fear to get people saved. And we always called it the numbers game, right? See how many hands you could get raised. And I don't want to do that. I, I was truly transformed when I heard that there was someone who loved me in spite of me. And I think when we go to the Hill and we meet all these members of Congress and they are dealing with, so many things that we will never understand. I mean, our country hanging in the balance in their hands a lot of times. And some of them who have made horrible life decisions, some of them who just are lost, don't know what to, where to go, who to look for, for answers that, you know, during the, during COVID, they were looking for answers everywhere. And thankfully we were there to be able to say, we know someone who has all the answers, but we do it with love and an open hand and a handshake. And we say, what can we do for you?
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: I mean, and that is being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is not me saying, oh, we're so high and mighty because we do it this way. I say that to say, our upbringing helped prepare us for this moment in our lives so that we could be the love of Jesus to people We have a different perspective because of the way we were raised. We know what did not work for us, and we know what did work for us. And I believe what did work for us works for a lot more people than what didn't work. And so I love being able to walk into a member's office and show the love of Jesus to them and watch them completely transform and open up about their problems, open up about anything that they want prayer for anything that they, they feel like their kids need, you know, I mean, all of a sudden they just become comfortable and they have, they're an open book at that point. And we keep all that private. We don't share that with people um, because we've built these relationships and we don't want to take those for granted or, you know, go out above their privacy. Um, But I just think it's, it's been a cool ride, you know, it's, it's an important time in our lives. And I, looking back, I've never connected the two, but now, you know, thinking about all this, I'm, I've started connecting the two going, okay, God, so you've prepared me for this moment because I did encounter what didn't work and fear did not work. The media tries to instill fear on everybody. It doesn't work. It may in some cases, but in most cases it doesn't work. But when you show love and you show appreciation and you say, I'm here to help. And I I may not can do everything. I may not have the answers, but I do know someone who does. I mean, transformation takes place. It did in my life. It did in your life. We've seen it happen in others' lives. And so we can't live in fear. We just can't because we know the one who holds all the answers. He holds our world in the palm of his hands. He holds Israel, especially in the palm of his hand. And I just believe that He knows knows everything that's going on, and even though it looks scary, it looks grim, we don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. Every day right now, we're waking up with a new, you know, news of what's happening over there and what's happening here, and we don't have a speaker, and they may be coming over here to have war. There are so many could-bes and possibilities. I don't live in that world. Yeah. I live in what I know to be true and for a fact, and that is that Jesus has us in the palm of his hand.
1: I agree. Uh, Not much more that could be said to that. And I I am so, so thankful that we have that hope in Jesus. And uh, even in all the the difficulty of the day, uh, we can trust that uh, his word is always good when nobody else's is. (laughs) His, His word is good.
0: So turn off the news and open the Bible.
1: Take some time to pray. Pray for our um, our Israeli brothers and sisters. And, um, there and are, pray for the Palestinians. Our Arabs that love Jesus, that we know in that part of the world, that are Christians, real, real believers, um, that are going through a difficult time as well. And uh, just pray that God would use this moment, however He will and however He can, that He'll use this moment to bring people to Him. And um, pray for the loss of so many and pray for peace. I still pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's what we're called to do. Pray yeah. for the peace of Jerusalem and uh, we pray for that. So absolutely. thanks for spending a few moments with us today. And I know it's been a little bit more of a, hopefully not depressing, no. uh, but um, maybe encouragement to you. It's been
0: encouraging.
1: And uh, just to see what God's going to do. If you haven't followed the podcast, you can do that on all of the platforms.
0: Amazon,
1: uh, yep, uh, Apple podcasts podcast. and Spotify, Spotify, and so on. Um, Google podcasts, and uh, you can go to hill dot com to find out information about what we do. And, and if you don't
0: mind sharing about the podcast, yeah, that's how we that. get you know new followers and new people to come along. Um, we try to keep up with it every single week. Some weeks we are a little bit behind where we do one episode. Sometimes it's two. If we can get ahead of our our schedules. Um, this week has been a little bit different just because of doctor's visits and obviously the recent happenings we've been trying to communicate with people in D.C. But um, we do hope that we're an encouragement to you every single week, no matter which episode you listen to. We That's always right. try to stay encouraging. We don't want to become a Fox News for you or a CNN. You've got enough of that. You don't need that from us. Yes. We want to we want to tell you encouraging things and um, and be a light in the dark. Yes.
1: The dark of the night.
0: The brighter the light. Okay. As Bill, Bill says. Yes.
1: All right, guys. Have a great, great week. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.